Before we get going here, got to talk about our proud partner, Rawlings Canada. For over 130 years, Rawlings has been the most trusted brand in diamond sports. Every Rawlings product is carefully crafted with the finest materials available and assembled, weighed, measured, tested, and inspected for the highest possible level of quality and consistency. I can tell you firsthand how good their product is. The glove I've been wearing since 2014 is Hopi's Rawlings glove that he got in 2000. Think about that. I'm wearing a glove that will be 24 years old this summer. If that doesn't tell you just how good their product is, I don't know what will. Rawlings, check them out wherever you get your ball gear. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. What is up, everybody? Hope y'all had a great week. Welcome to episode 156 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. A couple things to get to before we do our guest intro here. First, need to pass along our sincere condolences to the friends and family of Alexis Buckman, who succumbed to brain cancer this past Thursday after a more than two-year battle. Alexis joined the University of South Florida Bulls in 2020 and was then diagnosed with brain cancer in the fall of 2021 after undergoing surgery to remove a brain tumor. Through her diagnosis and continued treatments, she remained an active and present member of the softball team, serving as a student manager through the 2023 season. Again, thoughts and prayers to all of Alexis' family and friends. No doubt she's going to be missed by many. Also need to pass along our condolences to the entire Romero family. Of course, we all know Sydney, Sierra, and Sophia in our softball family. Unfortunately, the patriarch of the clan, Mike, lost his battle with cancer a few days ago. Just from following the girls on social media over the past few years, I know how big of a role he played in their lives, as well as their brother Mikey's. Uh, I personally know what it's like to lose a parent to cancer, and it sucks. So my heart goes out to all of them. I know we all lived through that pandemic in 2020 and into 2021, but honestly, I feel the real pandemic in this world is cancer. I just friggin' wish we could find a cure and it could be wiped out. Hopefully with more research and whatnot, we'll be fortunate enough to be alive when or if there is. Again, my condolences to to the Bachman and Romero families. Hope you all find peace in your healing process. Man, tough way to start the podcast. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with University of South Florida alum, Athletes Unlimited member, and current member of the Great Britain Women's National Team, the one and only Georgina Korik. Georgina had an amazing career so far, and she's still going strong. She's a four-time AAC Pitcher of the Year, three-time All-American, was the 2022 NFCA National Pitcher of the Year, as well as Softball America Pitcher of the Year, and that's just naming a few of her impressive accolades. She broke or tied 39 school or conference records during her career at USF and holds school career records for no-hitters, starts, complete games, innings pitched, wins, strikeouts, shutouts, opponent batting average and perfect games that's a lot (laughs) she's now she now competes in athletes unlimited as well as with the great britain women's national team where her and that group are taking that program to new heights we're going to talk to georgina about getting her start in the game her journey to south florida the amazing career she had with the bulls what it's like in the pro game now and much much more Georgina was so awesome to chat with. Her amazing personality definitely shines through in this chat, and I know everyone is going to enjoy this interview. So enough of my chatting. Let's get to it. This is Outside the Shoot, and anything goes. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never 
right, here we go. We are happy to have on with us today four-time AAC Pitcher of the Year, three-time All-American, 2022 NFCA National Pitcher of the Year, as well as Softball America Pitcher of the Year, University of South Florida alum, Athletes Unlimited member, and current member of the Great Britain Women's National Team, the Queen herself, Georgina Korik. Georgina, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh my gosh, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm a little winded after doing that intro. Give me a sec here. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> me, anytime I have to walk up the stairs, it's cool. You're all good. How's things going down in Florida this evening? It's great. It's getting a little chilly, but obviously not as chilly as I'm sure some people are uh, are used to this time of the year. Yeah, it's, uh, we're getting a snowstorm right now up here in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. So, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, then I guess I have absolutely nothing to complain about. You have about. nothing to complain about at all. Like, Last... I know I'm planning on going out in the water in the morning. I'm oh, like, oh, lucky I gotta you. put sleeves on. Lucky you. Like last week, <laughs> we we had a major storm up here, and I think we got it. For us, it was like sixty to seventy centimeters, which is about twenty some inches in American terms. So we got we got walloped last week, and we're getting more right now. So I hate snow. <laughs> oh, I think I'm with you there. I don't think I'm ever going to leave uh, this close to the hemisphere. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. I don't blame you. Um, so what's on the go? How's uh, how's winter been treating you? It's been amazing. I actually just came back a um, couple weeks ago from playing over in Australia. Right. So that was something that a place that I've always wanted to like visit, but I was fortunate. I had some cool connections out there. I actually, um, my teammate Megan Faremo joined me out there as well. She played for Tasmania. I played for Victoria and we competed for the Australian Nationals, the Gilly Shield over there. So it was kind of really nice because down there it's in the summer yeah. as uh, we left some American winter to go and play in, in 40, 40 Celsius. Yeah. I, I was going to say they're about getting, 100, 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, pretty hot. They're getting some hot weather down there right now. Like I, I like, well, of course I have some friends from the men's game down there and, and yeah, mm -hmm. they've been saying how, how hot it's been down there. Yeah. It was gorgeous. I mean, I couldn't have picked a better time of the year to, for my first trip down there. Yeah. So how was it? How, in, like, of course the ball playing ball is good, but how, how about the, uh, the culture and, and everything down there? How was that? Honestly, it's probably been one of my favorite places I've ever traveled to. I think tied up there with Japan, just a really cool place. I had the chance to kind of do the world tour after nationals finished. I went and did Sydney. I did the Gold Coast. I obviously stayed in, and did some of Melbourne. And I have to say Sydney is probably one of my favorite cities I have ever been to. Is that right? It just like it was everyone It was like down on Bondi Beach and we were able to like see all the water and everything and I obviously expect Floridian beaches, um, but down there, the beaches are not just like sand. They're like rocks and all this like really cool um, architecture for the buildings and everything. It mm. was definitely a city that if I get the chance to go back next year, it's going to be an absolute no doubter. Yeah, I 100% would love to go to Sydney. I mean, of course, mm -hmm. see everything on TV and and you know movies especially movies i mean there's a lot of you know different movies that show like the the landscape of sydney and and everything around it, it just looks amazing yeah, I, think, I think the funniest thing was watching uh any what was it anybody but you anyone but you the new sydney the new, movie i watched that the, the other night yes. i watched it in sydney um so oh, i nice. got to walk out of the movie theater and was like oh my god i could jump in the water there <laughs> i won't look nearly as good as sydney sweeney but i could do it <laughs> that was such a great movie i loved it it was a great movie classic yeah. rom -com. absolutely and I'm a sucker for rom-coms. Oh, same. Um, okay, so we have a little something that we kick off the podcast with. I call it quick pitches. I'm going to mm -hmm. throw out some random questions to you and you answer them as best you can. Sounds good. All right. First one, I always start off with this one just because I like knowing. <laughs> if you had to live off one meal for a week, what would it be? 
Oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Alfredo. I probably did live off Alfredo for a week straight in college. So <laughs> I gotta go chicken Alfredo, but my chicken Alfredo. Oh, okay. Well, my chicken Alfredo. Why yours? What What's different? I just make it with ragu. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's just the easiest go. meal to make ever, but it's like a comfort meal, you know? Right on. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest thing you miss at South Florida? Um, I, As a player, I, I guess. Recently, <laughs> I'm like, there's so many things to miss. Um, I got to say Chum Bucket, um, our champion's choice, the dining hall for student athletes. Not because the food was any good, but um, because you always got to go into Chum Bucket every single day and you knew exactly what you were expecting. So I miss getting all the girls together and being like, hey, guys, let's go to Chumps. Right on. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the best, rate your karaoke skills. If it's uh, Valerie by Amy Winehouse, 11 and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's my go-to. Like, I don't even care if you want to go to, to a bar and make it a karaoke <laughs> bar. Like, it will be a karaoke bar when I wander in and play that song on my phone. It doesn't even matter. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> Valerie, all right. Uh, if you could go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would it be? Can I go back to Australia? Yeah, there you go. You already said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, best thing about London, England? Ooh. You got to say the weather, right? <laughs> 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 no, I think it's the... Um, oh my gosh, I think it's the trains. Getting on the subway. I actually love being able to like hop on a line, hop off a line, and just like get anywhere in the city like, like that. Probably my favorite thing about London itself. Okay. Uh, if you could go back and play one game over again, which one is it? A softball game? Yep. Mm, that's a good one, actually. I would say we lost a really, really close game to South Carolina my sophomore year. It was my first year that I was an All-American. I think we lost, if it was not like two to one or like three to two, it was a one one run deficit. And it was a game that like, if we'd gotten through, we would have gotten out of our first ever regional. It would have been me coming off of a knee surgery. And I think knowing what I know now going into that game, it might've been a little bit different, but it's one of those games that like, it just felt like it was just slightly out of your reach. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I can't think back on a game when I was like, man, that really like that, that was one pitch away. We were like one moment away from doing something really cool. Okay. Best thing about athletes unlimited. The people. I mean, of course. I'm sure you've had a chance to like talk to some like really cool people doing what you do. Um, but every single person on Athletes Unlimited is just like the coolest, funniest, sweetest person. Like all of us get to come together and knowing that like it's kind of a revolving carousel of teams. Everyone gets to become friends. Like we've stayed friends. If you have like seen any of my socials, like after AU, we got like a girl's trip together and went to Yosemite. Like we talk pretty much every single day after like the girls and the friends that you make through that league, I would say as cool as it is being, you know, a professional athlete and getting the chance to kind of live that dream, it's the people that make it happen. And it's like the people that I miss the most. I get like serious FOMO the second I leave AU. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I like miss my roommates. I miss seeing the girls every single day. And like, I can't wait for it to come back. Nice. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more down, mm-hmm. the, down, the, down the line here. Cause I love athletes unlimited and I talk about it all the time. So we'll get, we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. favorite show to binge watch. Oh, that's a brutal one. I have to say I'm really into Bob's Burgers. It's one of my like comfort shows that I can put on in the background and like quote as I'm doing something um, because it requires like negative four brain cells to watch and enjoy. Um, So it's something because I like didn't grow up with a TV. 
So when oh, I really? like, would have, yeah, my, my parents were not big on television growing up. If it was, if it wasn't Jeopardy, like it didn't go on the television. <laughs> and so now if I, like my roommates would notice if they, they put a TV show on and we were like supposed to be studying or doing something in the living room, I'm like a Coco Melon kid. I'm like <laughs> locked in on the TV. I, I can't turn away. And so that's like one of few shows that I've watched enough times that it like it's shut off in my mind. It doesn't even sound like I'm watching anything anymore. So it is like one of my favorite shows for sure. I've never actually watched an episode of it. It's it's so good. Oh. The, you have to watch the pilot. You have to watch the first one. All right. I want to say one of the best. I will, episodes mark that down. I will mark that down right now that I have to watch mm -hmm. Bob's Burgers. You must be you must be good at Jeopardy then if that's all your parents were watching. Uh, I've I've done my fair share of trivia nights. <laughs> I love trivia <laughs> nights. Uh, two more here. Funnest part of broadcasting. Being able to yap. I just I love chatting. I love talking to people and being able to like get paid to talk to people is really cool. And then on top of it, like it really does keep me in the game. It's mm -hmm. when you're in it and it's such a huge part of your life it's like all consuming. And so taking a step away from that and then stepping back into it from a different perspective, it's really cool to watch the game develop outside of you being a part of it anymore. So it doesn't feel like you're kind of driving the cogs. You get to stand outside of it and appreciate it a lot, which is obviously what analysts are supposed to do. Right on. Now, did I, I think I saw you did when you were on with Eric Lopez doing a, mm -hmm. I think, I think it was him, but you said yeah. something about you had, you used to have a fear of public speaking and now you're into this. Like, oh yeah, that's crazy. That just like, blows me I away. I had a stutter. I had a lisp. It was something that like, I was so shy. Um, and now it's, it's something that I, I don't even think twice about. Oh, that's funny. Cause when I started this podcast, it's the same thing. Like I, I was like scared to death and I just, I just was like, all right, do this. And now it's no problem. Like I'm over, over 150 episodes in and it's just like, you know, it just becomes routine now. So mm -hmm. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I hate to, I hate to give any like clarity to, you know, your sixth grade English teacher, but her being like, come on, you just have to get up and do it and right. it'll get easier every time. You don't believe it when they say that. And now I'm like, oh, dang it. She really was right. She was right. That's right. I got to find her on Facebook. Send her a memo. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, last one here. Walk off home run or striking out the side? Striking out the side. Come on. Well, like yeah. one swing versus nine pitches. Hey, like, listen, you had 16 hey. career college hits and you had seven home runs. So, I mean, come on. Uh, I guess that does feel pretty good. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I guess it does feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess which one did I get the chance to do more of? Yeah, you know? true. Strike out the side. Yeah. I'm with you too because so. I've, I've been a pitcher my whole life. So I'm totally with you on, on striking out the side. Yeah, I think I'm not to be biased, but I think hitters sometimes get lucky. Pitchers, it's really hard to be lucky doing what we're doing. That's right. I Yeah, oh, you're right. Put your foot down. I am putting my foot down. Pitchers. But that is crazy, though. You have seven home runs and 16 hits in college. Like, I actually, I did not know that stat about myself. Yeah, I come across that today. I was like, what? This is insane. I got to bring this up. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's get on to your career. Um Let's go back to the beginning here. How did uh, how did little Georgina get her start in the game? Uh, little Georgina was not very athletic, and big John and Sally, my parents, um, really wanted me to figure it out, and so they like made me try out for a bunch of different like local teams down where I used to grow up. And then, actually, surprisingly enough, my dad used to do this thing where every morning he would make me go get the paper. Now I realize that was like definitely he just didn't want to walk outside and get the paper. <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing ever that every morning, like a 
you know, a paper appeared on our driveway and I'd have to bring it into him and he would hand me the comic section and he would read the actual news. And I guess one of those mornings we were sitting there and he was reading the news and they'd advertise for like a local rec ball league. And he turned to me and was like, is this something that you like would want to do? And I was like, ah, I don't know. We can give it a shot. And we actually went to Walmart like that day, I think, and got one of those like pink foam bats and pink foam balls. And he spent, I want to say like an hour or two hours with me in the yard, like tossing the ball to me and seeing if I could hit it. And because John is not a man, he's not going to play around with failure. If I had gone out there and swung and missed 50 times, he'd have been like, all right, wrap it up, put the thing back in the bag. I've got the receipt. We're going back to Walmart. Um, but he actually, he let me try out for the team and I fell in love. I actually started out as a catcher. Um, and then two years later, they realized that I was not, I was not a catcher. <laughs> and so I started pitching and I never turned back. So what age were you when you started pitching? Probably, I think if I started trying out at like seven or eight, I would have been maybe nine or 10 when okay. I actually like started taking it seriously. Right you know, on. everyone's a pitcher at nine. Oh, 100%. You no, know, everyone's a pitcher. Yeah. So when did, when did. When did you move to the U.S.? Like, were you, I know you were born over in the U.K., but like. Yeah, so I was I was born in the U.K. And then I was actually three months old when we moved over here to oh, the okay. state. So I lived a little bit in Georgia for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then we moved down here because my dad's job. Okay. And I've lived in Florida ever since. Right on. So did you play both travel ball and high school growing up? Yeah, I did. That was kind of, I think that's pretty common of. Mm especially down in Florida, oh, just yeah. knowing that like Florida is one of like the big three for softball. Yeah. Um, it was, I played for the Tampa Mustangs. I played for the Windermere wildfire. It was actually my first game guesting for the Tampa Mustangs was the first game that I ever got seen by a college coach. And it was coach Erickson at USF. And he got like immediately on the books and had me come in for my first, like unofficial, I want to say like maybe a week or two after that. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, this was before NCAA changed the rules. So you were allowed to like oh, that's right recruit too. like children, right. <laughs> like I know. actual children for that, a college career. That blows my mind that that actually happened. Like the, the new rule is so much better. It blows my mind that I lived through it. So <laughs> it, don't feel too bad. Yeah. I, it blows my mind that that was like a real thing that they were allowed to do. Yeah. Oh, it's just crazy. So any uh, any big memories stick out for you, you know, during your travel in high school days? Um. Oh, gosh. Probably the game that, that I got recruited at was... Um, I was a little bit of a, of a two-way player back in my day. And so I think I pitched that game and struck out like 17 or 18 and then had two home runs. Of course you did. That's and, all you do is hit course. home runs. And it was at the Clearwater <laughs> Fields, the same ones that they like now, I now have played on as a college athlete. And that was the game that my dad was like, oh, like you've got to join this team. Like, this is the best team ever for you. And I was like, yeah, I had the greatest time. <laughs> and we're like walking through the, the parking lot talking about it. And Coach Erickson like appeared out of a bush. And he like he had this thing where he didn't like being recognized because at the time he was still the Team USA Olympic head coach. Yeah. And so he would wear these like outfits. <laughs> Where he would look like like an actual swamp person, and he like emerged from the bushes and was like, "Hey, kid, you you want to play softball in college?" And my dad was like, "Hey, yo, yo!" <laughs> and he's like, "No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My name's Coach Erickson. It's so nice to meet you." <laughs> That's amazing. And like, I I spoke to him, and it was the coolest thing ever. And I remember like getting in the car and like having my little freak out moment of like screaming, and my dad screaming. It was the coolest thing ever. That is amazing. Oh, I just I can picture it playing this day, and it's just oh yeah, it makes. And me if laugh. you've ever spoken to Coach Erickson, he's just the funniest guy. With he's like an old New York guy, and he's just he's classic. Coach you know? Erickson he's was he was huge in our men's game like you like oh. he 
man, he was so good and back in the league. Don't get me wrong. He's still, you know, he's still be hitting BP and he throws BP sometimes over at USF. He, oh, nice. He hasn't hung those cleats up yet. I don't think he ever is. Good for him. Good for him. Oh, yeah. Keeping so, it young out here. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was going to ask what led you to choose in South Florida, but I guess it's Coach Erickson coming out of the bushes and convincing you, I guess. <laughs> with the, no, really. What, what, what did you go to any other visits anywhere? Or was it just South Florida? I did. Yeah, it was. I was only I want to say I was like maybe 13, 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. So Coach Erickson was super understanding. He's like, listen, I know this is your first unofficial. Like, I don't want you to make a choice right away. I don't want you to feel like you have to make a choice right away. Like you're still a kid. Um, take a couple years, like get back to me when you get back to me. And so I toured a couple other schools here in Florida. I did, I think one up in Georgia, one up in Alabama. Um, but I wanted to be a marine biologist. Like that was ever since before I even knew how to walk. I grew up on the water. I grew up loving the water. And so that was something that looking at all my schools, I would walk in and like my first question was like, do you guys have a marine bio program? And like 98% of schools across the country don't, but USF did. And coach Erickson was like, listen, we've never had an athlete come through and be a marine biologist. Like we don't, we literally have no precedent for this whatsoever, but we'll make it happen. Like we want this to be your home. We want you to do what you love. And that was probably like my big turning point for USF was I checked out all the, all the other schools, but none of them had what I wanted academically. And then it was only about two hours from where I lived at the time. So it felt like the perfect college distance. It's like my mom's not going to show up and like do my laundry unannounced, mm-hmm. but I could drive home if I missed them, which I did a couple of times my freshman year for sure. Right. Was, was there much of an adjustment for you at all as far as moving from home? Because I mean, like you said, you were like you were pretty close, but I mean, usually people that are moving away from home for the first time, you know, the first at least week, you know, there's a little kind of a learning pattern to go through, I guess. Did you have that? Oh yeah. I had my, my little freshman jitters where Mm. you get really nervous and it's a huge transitional period for anybody. Most people have never, you know, not lived at home with their family. They haven't had to live with strangers. I lived with one of my teammates and then two volleyball girls and and we got along really, really well, but all of us were freshmen in athletics. One girl was from New Zealand. So she was always kind of like missing home, but couldn't really do anything about it. But the rest of us lived in Florida and like commonly bounced back and forth with our families. Um, but probably once you get into the swing of spring season, that was when I was like, I don't have the time to go home. I'm like loving where I'm at. I was finally starting to like really fit in and feel at home. I think it does take most people just a couple of months to, mm. to really feel comfortable away from from home and your parents and your family. I had a younger sister um, and you just, you miss them, you yeah. know, they're your people. For sure. And and one thing about softball, especially is like not starting until February. I mean, you have your, you know, you have your fall camps and everything, but you know, as a freshman, you're not really getting into the swing of things till February, really. So there is a lot of downtime, I guess that, you know, that's what I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know if, if it's right, but I mean, w- would you say that's true though? Mm-hmm. I mean, the fall is actually like more of your grind time than anything. Spring is is obviously the games and that schedule is really difficult. But freshman fall is when they're like, all right, everybody, like 5.30 a.m. weightlifting. You better get your butts in the gym. And if like you're going straight from the gym to breakfast, breakfast to class, you got class until noon. You got practice from one until four. Oh, that's it was good, like man. the fall is usually your like absolute lock in grind time. You clamp like you cram all your classes in. So but you do get the weekends off. So that was when I would get the time to right. kind of hop in my car and zoom, zoom all oh. my way back home along the I-4, right world's on. worst highway. <laughs> Actually, I lived down in uh, Cocoa Beach for a bit. Actually, I lived in Vieira for 
probably about four months. I was down there playing hockey, of course, being Canadian. Oh, yeah. I was like, there's not much happening in Vieira that's kind of <laughs> no. in the middle of nowhere for you. Yeah, I know. But that, I, I enjoyed it. They, the weather was much better down oh, there than it was back area. here. Oh, it was fantastic. So... I miss that weather. Oh. Anyway, speaking of, speaking of the weather, I mean, <laughs> imagine campus life had to be pretty sick considering how amazing the weather is. Oh, yeah. I I was a little biased, but I thought UF or USF had one of the prettiest campuses that I've ever stayed at. And I got to walk everywhere. It was it did feel very communal. And if you've never like lived in like a walkable city before, like I lived in just outside of Orlando, so I couldn't really like wander outside and go get a coffee. It was definitely something that like living there was so cool. All my friends were three minutes away from where I was. If I wanted food, if I wanted coffee, if I want to go shopping, like all of it was right where I was. So that was super cool. Nice. And that's in, it's in Tampa Bay, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so a question I like to ask a lot of our guests on here is do you remember your first real game with the Bulls? Yeah, I do actually. My my first game as a freshman. I got to talk about this the other day actually. Oh, so, sweet. Um, my my first career start was against um, Michigan mm-hmm. and um, the absolute legend Hutch. And in I want to say maybe the first or the second inning, I gave up a home run, like just barely clipping over the left field fence. Like one of those things, like as a pitcher, you're like, oh, nuts, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that's got away from you, but you're like, oh, whatever, like I'll live. Yeah. And like the next pitch, literally like one pitch later, this girl hits me so hard, deep left center. It disappears into the night. It hits the top of our batting cage and ricochets off into the swamp behind our field. And Coach Erickson comes out and I'm like on the verge of tears because he had <laughs> sat me down right before this game and was like, I trust you. Like, this is your first career start. I'm really proud of you. Like, this is everything that I recruited you for. You're going to do go out and do great. And so he walks out and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. And he's like, what are you sorry for? Like, don't worry about it. Like, do you want to stay in and keep throwing? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, cool. Pick yourself up. You're going to finish this game and we're going to win. And we did. We ended up bouncing back and beating Michigan three to two. Those were the only two runs that I gave up were two back-to-back solo bombs. Yeah, You only allowed three hits. It was my first career, like anything. And so it was one of those moments where I was like, all right, like you're really not in Kansas anymore, are you? (laughs) (laughs) But I did, I like kind of picked myself up and and had a better moment. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So, I mean, now for most, it it usually takes a year or two to get their foot in college ball. But I mean, you were humming right out of the gate, winning rookie of the year, co-pitcher of the year. For you personally, what was the biggest learning curve or, or was there one? Because, I mean, <laughs> it didn't seem to phase oh, you no, at there's all. definitely a learning curve. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> I think I was really fortunate because I had international experience with Great Britain softball as well. Right. So I'd already kind of thrown against some really, really cool people overseas. So coming in, I don't think it was the stage that was as much as the learning curve. I'd already kind of like been in those moments. I've had to play against some more experienced players I think for me, it was more learning the collegiate dynamic. It's it's the showing up every single day and working really, really hard, not quite knowing what the response is going to be, what, like what you're actually going to get as a reward. It's just showing up and working hard every single day, having your 5 a.m. lift, going in and working on your relationship with your teammates and having a relationship with your coaching staff. From the international side, I'm sure you kind of know this, you do sometimes feel like it's just you. And you are having to push yourself to work hard. You are having to kind of make your own schedule in that way. So it did. It taught me a lot about just the consistency of hard work and how much it really did transfer 
over into my relationships with my friends, my relationships with my family. Um, it was a really cool learning experience, even outside of the sport, just from that perspective. Right on, right on. So like prior to a season, would you set goals for yourself personally? Uh, I didn't really, I was more of a, of a mentality kind of person. I'd go in with a mentality of like, listen, people now like expect you to be good. You can't put that expectation on yourself. Like I didn't like setting goals of being like, oh, I want an ERA here. I want a strikeout here. Cause I think sometimes those, those came and they went right. You could be facing the best batter in the world. And no matter if I'm throwing my best stuff, I'm not going to strike her out, but I can beat her. Right. I can beat her by getting her to work with my defense. I can try and like create new patterns and do different things. I think for me, success needed to be based outside of the numbers. And so I couldn't be like, oh, I want to, you know, get however many starts or something. Cause those things don't really matter. Right. They'll come with the goals of like, I wanted to work hard. I wanted to bounce back from my knee surgery. I wanted to be a team leader. And so like those things often went hand in hand. So people would look at my stats and be like, oh, you had a really good year. Like what did you like, how did you manifest that? How did you try and create that? And for me, it was the numbers came secondary to the other things that I had tried to work on coming into that season. Right on. Right. Perfect. I, I always say like, that's one thing I'd never do is say, like you said about the ERA, like I, I never want to say, oh, I want a 0.23 ERA for the season. Like, and then <laughs> off the get go, I allow four I runs. In the, that's exactly how you have the worst ERA. Of oh, 100%. Life, you know? Like, you know, <laughs> like that's the worst thing a pitcher can do is, is put those kind of expectations on yourself because as soon as you're, if you have a bad start, then you're in your head, right? Like you're mm-hmm. just like, Oh, that's going to take a lot to bounce back. And and also for me, sometimes that felt like I was almost like hoping for other people to do poorly so that I could do better. Right. And that was never the case. I wanted to compete. Like I wanted to compete against really good players. I wanted them to succeed, but I wanted to me to succeed in the things that I was trying to achieve. Right. Right. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. Uh, you mentioned the, the knee injury, knee surgery. Um, mm-hmm. How tough was it, you know, coming back from that? Uh, that was, anytime people ask me about like kind of defining moments in my life, you talk about kind of like hairpin turns. Mm. That one for me was like the one that I truly think about almost every single day. So I had torn my meniscus my freshman year and we had kind of just continued pitching on it. It was something that we were just kind of trying to, to maintain We knew that it was painful. We knew that it likely like impacted my pitch counts, but we didn't know how bad it was until my sophomore year when we actually got the scan. And so my trainer had come forward and was like, Hey dude, like, I think we might be redshirting you. Like we'll get the surgery in September. Um, we anticipated it being anywhere from a four to six month recovery. You're going to be in a lockout brace for a long period of that. Um, I think the best thing for you would be to redshirt and coming off of my freshman year. Like I had really wanted to come out and, and be better than I'd been my freshman year. And so I had turned to my pitching coach. I turned to my trainer and I was like, do you think that we can push that to three months? And he was like, it will, it will be really, really hard, dude. I'm not even going to lie to you. And I was like, yeah, but I've got winter break. I've got, I've got November. I've got winter break, Thanksgiving. I've got all of January. I think I can be back late February, early March. And he was like, if you're willing to put in the work, I think you can feasibly do that. You will have to throw in a brace all season but we can do that. And so I was in the training room four hours a day, six days a week, doing rehab, doing strengthening, doing recovery. I was sitting in on bullpens, not even, I was in a lockout knee brace. I couldn't, I couldn't even really sit comfortably on a bucket, but I would sit in the bullpen 
and I would watch the other girls pitch. I would sit behind my catchers and I'd be talking to them about pitch calling. My pitching coach, Jessica Moore, would like have me in the bullpen and would be just like giving me absolutely everything that she had. And then the first day that I was able to like bend my knee, I was pitching off of a bucket. I was pitching, kneeling on a foam pad in the bullpen. And it was one of those things that my first um, full game coming back off of the surgery was like super nerve wracking. And it was against like ranked Arizona. And my trainer, I remember he walked into the bullpen when I was throwing to come into the game. And he was like, listen, there is not a single thing in this world harder than the rehab that I just made you go through. Like you have been through three months of hell month. Like this is not going to be harder than what I have for you. And we went out and we beat Arizona. And it was my first win back off of my surgery. And it was my first year being an All-American. And like when I talk about hard work and stuff like that, I think that was a huge part of it was I had all these people in my corner that weren't like, no, that sounds impossible. They were like, listen, if you're willing to work hard, we think you can do it. And they were willing to put in the work for me as long as I was willing to put in the work for them. And it really paid off and was a defining moment for my entire life. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. And I just, oh, I can't imagine going through all that. Like, wow. How, how tough was it throwing with a brace on? Was it any different? Honestly, the hardest part was putting my pants on. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course it would be. To, my trainer had to like cut the side of the pants <laughs> so that I could pull them up every single day. <laughs> Other than that, it starts becoming like your emotional support friend. You right. Know? Oh, yeah, like, if makes I didn't sense. have my knee brace on, I felt like I'd walked outside with no pants on, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, <laughs> wow. Somewhere, but she smells so bad. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure she's tucked into something stink proof. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. The Rawlings Mantra Fast Pitch Bat helps you bring an elite level of focus, discipline, and power with you to the plate. Crafted with an innovative three step inner barrel, this bat perfectly balances swing speed and massive pop. The fully reconstructed collar assembly creates the perfect harmony between flex and stiffness and is the number one choice for the Canadian women's national team. So the only question you need to ask yourself, what's your mantra? Um, I got to ask about 2020 because that mm -hmm. crazy year affected people in different ways, both good and bad. Um, walk us through that season from your perspective. Was it a roller coaster of emotions for you like it? was for others, you know, especially the seniors, it, it would have been tough on them. Yeah. I remember when they'd first announced that, um, when NCAA had come forward and been like, Hey guys, we're postponing the season. No one, it was just a big question mark. No one really knew what was going to happen. If we were going to get eligibility reinstated, like everyone kind of thought that that was just going to be a year that was thrown out the window. We'd already played a couple of games, so no one really knew for me. It kind of seemed like a blessing in disguise. I think I'd come in that year and not played as well as I'd wanted to. And so COVID for me was kind of a really good hard reset. It was like a time that we got to come together as a team. It was something that coach Erickson was actually, um, he'd stepped away for team USA because that was the Olympic year. And so coach Jess, our pitching coach had stepped up as interim head coach. And so it was getting to learn her as a head coach. It was getting to kind of learn the dynamic of a team when you couldn't even Sometimes you couldn't sit in the locker room together. The locker room was off limits. So girls are changing in their cars out in the parking lot behind the field for practices. We're having to work, um, do our workouts on a turf field in the middle of the summer um, in the Floridian heat um, at 2 p.m. Because we couldn't be in the we couldn't be in the weight room with any of the other athletes. Wow. Um, I'm really glad that we took it really seriously. Like our um, our a 
our athletic trainer was really, really strict about it. So we only had a couple of girls really come down with COVID and have to be quarantined. But it was one of those years that kind of feels like a fever dream because everything was just so unusual. I know. I'm with you on that. It, it honestly feels like I can't even explain it. Like it feels like it was like 15 years ago. But at the yeah. same time, like it almost feels like it didn't happen. It's just it feels like a computer glitch. Yes. Like it like happened and everything shifted slightly to the side. <laughs> so or like weird. if I walked in and someone had like moved all my furniture just like an inch. Yes. Like it just felt wrong enough, but I couldn't have put my finger on why. Oh, so weird. So weird. Yeah. Didn't so anyway, so so go go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think it was a really like interesting time period for a lot of athletes. Mm. Cause suddenly like we'd had what was like our defining kind of personality trait like ripped out from underneath us right and we'd have to like find other things to do like <laughs> i stayed home i learned how to crochet i was like oh this is kind of cool i've yeah. never had a hobby before <laughs> <laughs> Did, have you crocheted anything bigger yeah i've made like um i've made like stuffed animals for my friends i used to make tops and stuff oh, wow i've gotten away from it now i've i've found new hobbies wow um it was just kind of messy. I had yarn everywhere and I think my roommates were over it. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I started the podcast because of COVID. So, I mean. So here we are, both of us doing our hobbies. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, did it seem like there was more of a appreciation to play from everyone when you get back? Yeah, I yeah. think that was the biggest um, momentum shifter. And I think a lot of it came from the higher ups. Like you talk about your juniors and your seniors so many times, them being hmm. natural leaders and they lead so often on the field because they have the experience and the seniority on the dirt. But it was a time for the the seniors and the juniors to step forward and talk to young athletes and be like, no, no, no. Like we didn't realize how much we, how much we appreciated this until it's taken away from us. Like you guys haven't even had the chance to experience it yet. And we're mourning something that has been lost to us. So I think it was a really cool culture shift in that way, seeing a bunch of older girls step forward and be like, no, this is the best time of your lives. Like, and we want to make sure that you guys have the best time of your lives. So we're going to make sure that this is the best program. This is the best culture for you guys to then inherit. Yeah. Makes sense. And I, I think that's, I think that was with everybody like across the board, I think in every sport really that as soon as things kind of got back to normal, I think everybody associated with any sport they were in had that appreciation to get back at it. And we're willing to tell like the people that were coming into it new say, look, this is what you, this is what you have in front of you. Like you should really just appreciate what you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now when you guys like, uh, sorry, totally off the map here. I'm going all over the map. <laughs> I want to ask. We need to call Dora the Explorer from the Nickelodeon on the Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe they need a map to find the end zone. Uh, delicioso. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, okay. You'd have five amazing years at, at USF, you know, especially your senior year where you absolutely went off. Um, what are some of the more memorable moments for you there, Georgina? I think in my senior year, one definitely stands out. It was actually my my senior night, our final game at USF. We were playing Houston. It was our final conference game at home. And for the first time ever, like in the entire career at USF, they started selling my jerseys at the merchandise shop that we have at the field. And so we came out, I'm playing against Houston. I'm finishing up a game 
from the day prior. So we didn't really notice it too much. Like I'd already come in into like the third or the fourth inning after a rain delay the day before. And I was like, all right, like we just gotta, I just gotta push through this. Like every pitcher fears the rain delay jinx of like you were throwing pretty well before a rain delay and you come out and the rain delay is like, oh, you thought you were having a good day? Psych, you know? Yeah, I'm with you there. I come out and I'm like throwing this game and it like gets to the last batter of the last inning. And I turn around and look at the scoreboard and I was like, oh, I haven't given up a hit yet today. That's pretty exciting. And I was like, and I don't remember walking anybody either. And so I like turn around and look at my catcher. My my catcher, Josie Foreman, was like the best. And she was like super calm, super cool, collected. And she like looked at me and like we had a moment. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm throwing a perfect game. And so I threw the last pitch, struck out the last batter in my last ever like game at USF. And so I run and give Josie the biggest hug. And I would always, when we would do the alma mater at the end of the game, I would always turn to my parents and blow them a kiss. And so I turned to go to my dad to go and and obviously say thank you and blow them my kiss and everything. And my dad is like jumping up and down, wearing my Jersey with my number on it. Wow. And he's bawling. I start bawling. My like best friend's brother's there. And he like wanders down with the Jersey and he's like, George, they got your Jersey. (laughs) I was like, Ryan, I'm having a moment. Oh my God. I got goosebumps right now. Oh, wow. It was wow. the coolest thing ever. And I like, I couldn't stop crying for like ages after the game. And I like, I don't think I'd cried since like my sophomore year, probably after a game. Wow. And I was just like so overwhelmed. Um, and it was like awesome. all my friends in the stand, my parents. And it was just like, I couldn't have written it up any better. Like you just got to slam the the photo album closed on that. It's almost like a, a sequel to For the Love of the Game with Kevin Costner. Where he yeah. threw the perfect game. Like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. that is amazing. That is, and the best thing about, don't you find like the games where you act, where you throw in a no hitter or a perfect game that you really don't realize you're doing it until like almost the game is over? Yeah, I, <laughs> there was like a running gag in the, in the media booth and in the dugout that like no one would ever tell me because I would just not notice otherwise there would have been like a couple of times that like I'd hear this like music going off in the stadium. He'd be like, mur, mur, mur. and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, is there like a fire alarm going off? And it would, they would like put some banner on it and be like, Oh, th- with that pitch, Georgina Corrick has like struck out her blah, blah, blah batter or something. And I like would have had no idea that something was happening. So <laughs> it was always like, they're like, we want to get cool photos of you where you're like, Oh my God, I'm so excited that I broke a record. But they're like, you don't even know. Like, can you, like, can you please, like read something or like know what's happening when you go into these games? Cause there's all these cool like graphics and stuff and pictures of me with like this look on my face where I like, don't even know where I am. It's like, huh? I was like, guys, what? it's the bottom of the fifth. There's only one out. Where's everyone going? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh. Get me humble though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's talk. Athletes Unlimited here for a bit. Mm-hmm. First off, was pro ball, was it always on the radar? I mean, probably not mm-hmm. just because it was something that like wasn't super well known as a career path. I remember like being young and being like, I want to be an Olympian, but right, an Olympian right. is a professional athlete. You know, that Olympian is like a one-time thing. That you're like, that is the coolest moment in my life. Like now I get to go be an accountant and everyone's like, yay, cool. And all your teachers growing up are like, oh, that's really cool that you want to play softball. But like, what's your backup plan? Right. And so like when I got drafted, I remember again, I was at practice. No one told me nothing. I come home and like my phone has died because it had like overheated from the notifications. And so I'm like, hey, anybody have a phone charger? And they're like, yeah, also while you're at it, you've just been drafted to the WPF and Athletes Unlimited. 
I was like, no way, you guys. That's crazy. Anyway, I have a lab. I got a dip, but like, I'll call you all back afterwards. <laughs> and so like being drafted was the coolest experience ever. And then realizing that I could actually like play professional softball as a living. I mean, it's a no doubter. It's mm. a no brainer. It's something that I was like, oh my God, yes, absolutely. Of course I'll do this. And now have made it probably my, my life's career for the next however many years, as long as they'll take me, I guess. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So, I mean, what was it like? You get to AUX. What was the uh, what was the biggest difference for you that you found between college and pro? I think playing with other professional athletes right. is they know exactly what they need. So, like coming from college, where your entire schedule is basically written out for you, you just have to go from point A to point B to point C at the same at the time that is required of you. You go suddenly to a professional organization. And everyone, they, they come when they need to go. They will, some people are like, oh, I need to go out to the cages. Who wants to go hit in the cages with me? And you've got the people that want to do that. You have the people that are like, no, I do best. And when I haven't seen a single pitch for a month and then I go out and hit tanks. <laughs> and so like, it was really cool getting to work with other professional athletes. Cause you realize that everyone has started to like develop their own style and their own sense of timing and the things that they need. So it did, it suddenly felt like a really professional atmosphere where everyone has a bunch of respect for each other. Cause they know that you guys are adults, you know exactly what you need and you're going to get whatever you want out of your time there. Um, so everyone just gets to play really freely. Nice. Nice. I, I mean, we touched on it earlier there on quick pitches, but at, like, how fun is it playing in that lake? Cause oh I mean, I, I, I get like, to see it and, and you know, everybody's always smiling. I mean, what Jade does with her social media content there and everything is just fantastic. And you know, it always looks like everybody's having the best time. I mean, how can you not? I'm in a dugout with Sam Fisher, Sis Bates, Nicole Mendez, Rachel Garcia. Like I, these are like the names that you grow up as a softball player being like, they are larger than life. They are the coolest people ever. And then you actually get to meet them and be friends with them. And they're just as amazing off of the field. Yeah. I think that's what allows Athletes Unlimited to have the platform that it does. It's not just because we're like women playing professional sports. Obviously that is amazing. That is something that we dedicate our whole lives to and we do it really well, but it's the people. It is the people that show up every single day and are having so much fun doing it. It's like an electric atmosphere that when young girls come out to the field and get to like hang out with us, they get to talk to us and they're like, Oh my God, like I didn't expect you guys like have so much fun and you have like all these jokes and laughs and stuff. And I was like, yeah, like this is what it should be like. Yeah. This is what it should be to have a group of girls out there doing what we love. What do you mean you're not going to have fun? What do you mean you're not going to have the best time of your life? <laughs> That's right. How fun is Sam Fisher? Because we love her here at Outside the Shoot. <laughs> she is, I mean, she's the Zach Galifianakis of every room. You know, she walks in, she is like, <laughs> she's the funniest dude in the entire planet. Oh, Sam And knew. he's just like, oh yeah, she walks in and you know that she's walked in. And if you don't see her, it's like her presence is missing. You know, she's somebody yeah. that she makes the sport better every single day just by being herself. Yeah. Did you see her and Haley McClendon have a podcast coming out tomorrow? No. Yes. Base, oh, base hits and banter. Sorry, Valentine's Day. You're over. That's what I, I, I sent a message to Sam. I said, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Like her and Haley together. Like, oh, that's going to be fantastic to listen yeah, to. Yeah, there's some great minds together and yeah. they're funny. Yeah, for sure. So how do you like the, uh, like the point system and everything in AU? 
I think it's really cool. I know they yeah. run a bunch of algorithmic data stuff that's way outside of my pay grade um, <laughs> or like how to calculate where the points come from and everything. Mm-hmm. I think once you're in it, the players don't really notice the points as much as we do. We're kind of just playing. So when you win and you have a good time, you suddenly look up and you've climbed the leaderboard. I think it's a really good way for young people and people that are trying to get into the sport to kind of have an idea of the things that have value in our game. And it obviously keeps it exciting because you're like, oh, where's my player this week? Like, oh, they've gone up. Oh, they've gone down. I wonder like what they've done to earn those points. I think in a sport that is very kind of failure based and something that is difficult to place value on aspects of it, they've done a really good job of deciding what earns points, what doesn't earn points and how to make sure that the fans and the athletes themselves are both enjoying the the point system and the leaderboard shifting as it as it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like it's totally different than any format that's ever been out there. And, you know, people get used to the same thing. And and I remember seeing online when when it first came out that, you know, people were like, What is this? What is this? But, you know, they weren't really given a chance. And I seen some of some of the people that were first you know, dissonant and everything. They're like, now they're on board. And, and, and now they like them. adopt it in like fall games for a bunch of schools do it in their right. fall season for their scrimmages. Like, obviously it has a lot of value to the sport of softball. Yeah. Um, and now that it's being more readily adopted, as you say, you're seeing a lot more people be like, oh, all right. Yeah. I was just mad about it. So I didn't understand it. <laughs> exactly. Now Something that I different. get it, like I get it, get it. Yeah. And actually I never even thought about how you just said, you know, you know, young girls looking at it and, and, realizing what's valuable in the game. I never even really thought that that's a, that's a good perspective on it. Yeah. Like when I work with my little kiddos, sometimes I have to emphasize to them that like a hit means just as much as a walk in certain situations. And that's a point system thing that we've added at AU, which, you know, I, as a pitcher hate it. I'm like, what do you mean you get points that I walk you? (laughs) Like, come on, swing the bat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Get up there. Come on. So is it okay? Throw me strikes then. Yeah. Is there anyone in particular that, you know, you find really hard to get out in AU? Oh my, everyone. Well, oh, yeah, of everyone. course, everyone. I show up every single day and have, <laughs> I'm tested, but I mean, just think of some of the names that I I've been throwing at. Anissa Ortez, one that's just absolutely incredible. Rachel yeah. Garcia. What do you mean I have to throw against Rachel Garcia? Yeah. Like absolutely insane. Sitz Bates is one that she is just so scrappy and really good with her bat. Mandel Renz, Megan Wiggins. Yeah. Like I could go on, there's 60 girls there. I could give you 58 names yep. only because my name isn't on there and another pitcher doesn't hit. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's right. I mean, you mentioned sis. We've had sis on here who we love as well. Her defensive play is just second to none. Oh my God. She's, she's a video game character. I she's know. not even, and then I have, tell her that to her face all the time. Like, her, you're literally not real, dude. Right. And like, especially <laughs> as a pitcher, having her behind you, it just must be like, okay, yeah, you can hit it to short. You can hit it to second. Like, depends on where she's playing like go ahead and try and get it through her (laughs) yeah there's so many times where like i've given up a hit on the mound and i like kind of look down at my feet and i'm like oh whatever like and then turn around to see like where the ball ends up and then everyone's running in because it was out three and i was like oh my god i forgot this is here (laughs) then you got to look at the the video board and be like in awe watch her like da 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 replay yeah uh unreal unreal Mm -hmm. so are you you're you're back for the upcoming season yeah yeah i will be AUX, I won't be able to join for, but AU, I'll be back. So awesome. I'm super excited. Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, before we go, we need to talk about Great Britain na- national team. Um, mm-hmm. First, I mean, what's it mean for you to be able to represent the country you were born in? 
I think as I've gotten older, it has started to like gain more and more meaning for me. Hmm. When it first started, it was something that gave me the opportunity to travel. It gave me the opportunity to meet new people in the sport. And then like actually getting out there and playing with like the name across my shirt and standing for our national anthem. It meant a lot to me because I could see how much it meant to my parents. I think when you talk about like nationality and being proud of your heritage and where you come from, for them, my my parents kind of really did risk a lot leaving the UK to come over to Florida and make a living for my sister and I. And so getting to play for their country really has started to grow on me the older that I've gotten. And now I really I identify so much more with my British heritage because I've had the chance to not only represent my country, but be a part of like building the program up into what it's been joining. I joined when I was 15 years old. I think at that age, you don't really, you don't have a sense of loyalty and love for anything yet. You're too young. You haven't had the chance to kind of live so much of your life. Now that I'm 25 turning 20, like 26, I have so much pride in being a part of something bigger than me, whether it was collegiate athletes, now being a part of the GB national team and being a part of building that program is something that I I really do get kind of choked up thinking about it because I know how much it means to my family and now how much it means to me that I've inherited that from them and continue to grow it for them. Absolutely. How how great is it having, you know, a great ball mind like Tara Henry come on and take over the head coaching reins? She's been one of the coolest people that I've had the chance to meet. I've known her obviously so long through D1 softball, Mm. but having her at the helm of GB, I think that we're growing exponentially, not only in just our reach as a program, but you're right. She knows so much. She has the ability to create these connections and like bring people together. And that's what you want from a head coach is someone that regardless of how phenomenal she's been in her own right, Mm. she is an even better coach because she brings people together and like creates family where those connections didn't exist prior. So I have nothing but great things to say about coach T. She's been a phenomenal addition to the staff. Awesome. Another friend of the show. We had her on here and had, I mean, such a great chat. I, I love talking to Tara. Um, mm-hmm. I got to mention the showing you guys put on qualifiers this, this past summer. Cause I mean, was that a moment for you guys on the world stage to say, Hey everyone. Yep. We're here now as well. <laughs> I think so. I think it was something that we'd been building towards for a while because obviously Worlds only comes around every other year. Hmm. So it's something that the last time that I competed for it, I was fresh off of college, maybe like 22, 23 years old. And then we actually didn't get to compete in that one because of COVID. So it'd been really five years, probably since we'd had a good, strong rung in the Worlds where we could play not outside of our European and African competitors, worldwide talent. And so knowing that Tara had been working so hard to build this team, knowing that we'd picked up a bunch of young new talent, I think we came in as one of the youngest teams in that competition and putting up a really good fight against USA, being two in that bracket, beating Chinese Taipei and Australia for the first time ever in our history as a program. I think that was really important for us because we were a really transitional team. We were picking up a new head coach. We were picking up a bunch of new players. And with that comes so many question marks. And so that was kind of an exclamation on what we had the capacity to do. Obviously losing again late to Australia was a heartbreaker for us. Not getting the, the wild card was also a little bit of a heartbreaker, but taking yourselves and your ego out of the check, you can go, that was one of the coolest things we could have ever done as a new program with a new head coach, with a bunch of new additions. Like, it is only up from there. We're adding so much new talent. And so I think that for us was a really big defining moment where 
we weren't sure where GB was going to go. There's been so many questions for Olympic softball. And that for us was like, oh yeah, we're here. We're going to keep competing and we're going to keep some really cool players in the game for a lot longer. Right on. So it was obviously the, uh, the main goal now here is, uh, LA 2028. Yeah. That's really what we've been working towards. It's something that feels really far away, but I'm sure you know what it's like. Sometimes you blink and three years have passed. And so it's something that kind of like I talked about my knee surgery showing up every single day and and doing hard work. It's something that all the GB girls are very aware that that's what's going to require for us to make that LA 2028 run. Awesome. I can't wait to watch. I mean, I, I mean, if you guys keep going like you are, I mean, it's going to be a tough fight, you know, for all the countries to get in now. Cause I mean, you look at that last Olympics that we just had, and the games that were being played there were just phenomenal. Like every game was close. Like, you know, there was a four or five, one, nothing games. Like, I mean, that just goes to show you what kind of competition it is all over the world now. And I think it is, it's becoming more of an international sport. Obviously me getting the chance to go and play over in Australia. Um, I've had my eyes opened a lot since I was 15 years old to how much softball does exist around the world. Mm. For me, I think the most heartbreaking part of LA 2028 is if they only choose to, again, take six teams, Right. like how do you pick six best teams off of a 200 country list when there's so much talent out there, you know, how can you only take one team out of all of Europe and Africa? How can you only take, you know, one or two teams out of the entire Pacific region? Um, I obviously, you know, if it was my world and I was president of the Olympics, I would, I would want everybody to go and get a chance (laughs) to compete that way. Um, because I think there is just so much talent worldwide. Yeah. Realistically, I I think like 12 to 16 teams would be ideal. I think, you know what I mean? Like, I think that would be a a great schedule that, you know, the competition would still be fantastic and people would get that experience to be on the Olympic stage. I think it would be a good showing of, of how much international interest there is in softball. Exactly. Because it does exist so much across the world and we just don't know about it because of language barriers, because of distance barriers, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's not there and that it doesn't deserve to compete. Yep. Absolutely. So, so what's the future look like for you? I mean, do you have a one year, five year, 10 year plan, or is it just a, you know, go with the flow kind of attitude and see what happens? (laughs) I'm sure it drives my parents crazy that I am a go with the flow kind of gal. I know it drives everyone in my life crazy, Um, but it really does. It feels that way just because the sport is so malleable. Hmm. I plan to keep playing professionally as long as I can keep signing contracts, keep playing across the world, just because I think you're not going to get better playing the same people over and over and over again. I think AU does a phenomenal job of always allowing the development of new talent. I know we're growing, seeing the growth of just professional softball across the U S I think for me, the next couple of years is definitely going to be pretty softball heavy. Um, and seeing where I can fit in and keep playing and keep pitching because I'm not going to get better, not playing. So I think from here until 2028, it's going to be softball, softball, softball. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. We have a little thing that we end the podcast with. Um, I call it player association. I'm going to throw out some names to you and you will definitely know them. If you have mm-hmm. funny story about them, let it fly. If not, <laughs> just maybe touch on them and you know what they've meant to your career. So first one I have on the board is a friend of the show, Anna Marie Bruni. Oh my God. She's great. She. I had the honor of playing with Anna Marie Bruni as my center fielder for three years, maybe. Um, we still stay in contact. She's actually coming into town next week. So um, oh, nice. I think we'll be making some contact and keep your eyes peeled on 
all of her socials. She's definitely way more social than I am. Oh, big time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she is having her as a friend is really cool now because she is always someone who has been super passionate about teaching the game, learning the game. She actually started as what a shortstop and then became like this yep. absolute all-American center fielder. Yeah. Um, so she's somebody that it's so cool now that she has the platform that she has because I think she is one of the most knowledgeable people in the game and she's going to teach it really well. So I'm always one of the first ones to like her TikToks. Um, put that on the record. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> uh, next I have uh, Josie Foreman. Another one. She is just, she's incredible. She actually... Um, she's just returned back to, um, the field after a year of some redshirt injury. Um, she is, I, there's not enough amazing things that I can say about Josie Foreman. Not many people and batteries across the country call their own games. And there were so many times where like having Josie behind the plate, she would start flashing a sign. And it was like, we were like telepathic. It was honestly kind of freaky sometimes. Like That's I was like, best. do you like have a little bug in my head? Are you like neuralinked in there? <laughs> Because she would like start throwing a, a sign down. And I was like, oh, girl, that was exactly what I wanted to throw. Thank you. Because it is it's more of like a suggestion. She'll suggest something. I'll either say yes or no. And I think with her, it was like 98% yeses. It was very rare that I was wow. going to shake her off. I'm so excited to see her back on the field this year. Isn't it great having a catcher like that, though? I mean, that that you're on it's, the same I wavelength. I mean, it's a connection that you'll never get back in your life. Yes. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you can marry somebody. You can be best friends with somebody for 25 years. Yep. But you are not beating that pitcher-catcher relationship. Right. It's just something different. I'm with you on that one. Uh, next up, GB teammate Morgan Salmon. <laughs> she is mrs worldwide to me she is electric she is everything um she would walk up to these games i need you to understand that like when we were playing in ireland ireland's weather is very similar similar to england's in that it can be really rainy and miserable just like out of the blue and so we were walking up to the field in pouring rain no one is happy like we're all lugging gear and suddenly i'm like is that is that Pitbull in the distance? <laughs> and it's Morgan Salmon with a speaker over her head. And it's like, Dolly, Dolly, Dolly. In the distance and she's running across the field from the bus. And I was like, oh, perfect. This is exactly what I needed at 20 in the morning. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, that is great. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Like, oh, wow, Mr. 305. And it was like from the distance. <laughs> I was like, oh God, here we go. Oh, big Pitbull van. Wow. Huge Pitbull fan. I don't think there's a bigger one, actually. That's great. Uh, two more here. Athletes Unlimited member, Gwen Svekas. She is so cool. <laughs> I think she's somebody that it's hard sometimes to talk about people that you've spent your whole life looking up to. But like Gwen is one of them that she was a legend already at Oregon. And then joining Team USA, like I would watch her play. And it was something that I, it was just like watching like buttermelt. It was the smoothest thing in the world. Like she would swing in a ball and I was like, oh, that's gone. Like that is hit so hard. Like it's not even going to have seams left on it. Mm. And my roommate and I would always sit there and like watch her play and watch her call pitches. And then I actually had obviously the, the amazing opportunity to pitch to her. And even more than her skill is her intellect. Like the way that she calls games, you will often see like AU when people draft pitchers, a pitcher will like form strong connections with catchers. And Gwen is almost always an early pick in AU drafts because of the connections that she builds with her pitchers and the way that she calls games. I think she's one of the smartest minds that has ever been a part of the game. And it's so amazing to see her still be a part of team USA and like passing that knowledge along. Cause she is, she's just a legend. Yeah. Big fan here. Uh, she is like you said, that mm -hmm. an analogy, mm -hmm. the butter analogy was 
mm-hmm. spot on, like smooth. Thank you. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last but certainly not least, uh, Coach Ken Erickson. He's a teacher. I think I would not be the person that I am today without Ken Erickson. He's somebody that he took me under my like under his wing. I know every recruit that you take is a little bit of a gamble, a little bit of a shot in the dark. Um, but I never felt that he questioned me like every single time I told you about my first career game that he sat me down and basically was like, you're made for this. Like, I don't want anybody else on the mound. I want you on the mound. Like I have complete and total faith in you. And so as the years went on and I got the chance to play under him longer and longer, I gained more appreciation for not only what he's been able to do and like the sport, the way that he's grown it, but the way that he understands it. Like he is a teacher. He shows up every single day and I fully expect out of a four hour practice, an hour of it is going to be a classroom session because there's so much about the game to learn. And I think so many times people are just like, oh, well, I want to just hit the ball hard and I want to pitch the ball hard. And, and that's, that's really all there is to it. And it's not, it's so much more than that. And I think you can see that in the athletes that he's built at USF and with team USA, that they have a lot of respect for him, not only as a coach and the way that he builds the game, but in the way that he teaches it and that he wants everybody to make the game a better place by knowing it better and knowing people better. And so I attribute the vast majority of my success as an athlete and as a person to the growth that I had under coach Erickson and, um, and you know, whatever his dad jokes are great too. So <laughs> I can't be all sappy. He did. <laughs> He's had a couple moments where he wanders up and I was like, Oh, I'm going to hear a story about 1982, like New York right now. And I have to, I have to pretend like I'm really interested. In yeah. It. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I heard this actually. I heard this my freshman year. I heard it my sophomore year. <laughs> And he's like, and damn it, you're going to hear it again. Yeah, you're going to hear it every year. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, what a fantastic way to end the podcast. Listen, Georgina, this has been fantastic. I got to thank you so much, you know, for take, taking time out of your schedule to come on and talk to us because legit, this has been a fantastic interview. No, this is amazing. Thank you so much. And don't feel too bad. I just went out and bought a fishing rod today. So <laughs> this is really just keeping me from one of my new variety of hobbies that I've picked up to fill my time. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, okay. Well, listen, I'll, I'm going to let you get going fishing because there's probably a big fish out there to catch. So uh, listen, I, I want to wish you all the best at, you know, Athletes Unlimited moving forward. Best of luck with the GB national team and anything and everything else going forward. Cause I mean, you deserve it. Thank you so much, Randy. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is great. All right. Take care. Mm-hmm. Of course. Thank you. You too. But my actions speak very loud My mama's very proud the way I made him hear me out I said I'd do this till us carried out Till I'm in the cemetery buried I'm running the necessary routes All I wanted was appreciation From the ones that I appreciated Nothing sophisticated And all I ever needed was financial security To make sure that this music wouldn't murder me Look, I grew up on Snoop Dogg And put a premiere to music with them both So 
will I feel like the goal's fulfilled Invested every dollar saved The music for real Put it all in real estate stock And it steadily builds Now my family is good So the goals change Roles change I'm looking at it different now With old age Time used to move slow Now I fly fast You can always get your money But can never get your time back I be talking my way Got me feeling some way Never change for a thing Yeah, you got it I got no one to blame, cause I ride my own way Had to find my own way, yeah, you got it Kinda rustin' around, the ups and the downs But well, well, you know that's true You know I'm stuck in my own ways It's a trip, but I love it, yeah It's a trip, but I love it It's a trip, but I love it Yeah, real shit, my buzz ain't buzzin' like it used to be I see these other guys are racking, I'm more using me. I used to have that attitude, like let me prove my peace. Now I'm like it's cool with me. Maybe I'm just too fatigued. There's no debate.